Welcome to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I'm Christopher Dedian, founder and CEO of Dedian Enterprises, Inc. We are committed to optimize people's performance with tools such as peak performance speaking, coaching, and consulting programs for a worldwide international community. We believe that the only difference between where you are and where you want to be is acquiring the knowledge you need and consistently utilizing that knowledge to become a peak performing individual in every area of your life. Stick around until the end of the show, where we will reveal how you can become the next guest on the fastest growing inspirational educational podcast on the planet in 20 to 30 minutes. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I am your host, Christopher Dedian, and today we have Chad Zdenik, which is the founder and CEO of CSQ Properties, which is a real estate investment group. Chad, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks for having me on the show, Chris. I appreciate it. Such a pleasure, Chad. I cannot wait to have this amazing conversation that's coming up about entrepreneurship, real estate, investing, uh, passive income, as well as personal development. But before diving into all that fun subject, I give a small introduction of who you are and what you do. Do you mind unpacking that a bit more for our viewers and listeners? Sure. Sounds good. Uh, are you doing the intro or you want me to start it? We're starting it. Okay. Sounds good. So so yeah, basically, I'm a, an engineer. Started out actually as a, a structural dynamics engineer working for the space shuttle main engines. Technically a rocket scientist. I did that for seven years. And then I went and followed my entrepreneurial spirit and uh, helped my brother start a business. It was a, primarily a Christmas lighting business that we grew to be uh, 75 employees, three different warehouses. We're the largest uh, lighting company in Los Angeles. And then I sold that to him in 2018 and went back into real estate because I was doing construction and structural engineering beforehand. So I, li I like to refer to it as going back to real estate. That was in uh, in 2018 and uh, started getting into multifamily uh, apartments and um, self-storage investments. And now I have a, a portfolio of $150 million of assets under management and do that currently to today. That is beautiful. And there's a couple of things that I do want to unpack within your journey. So you did mention the rocket scientist thing, which I found really interesting. Can you tell us how do you went from rocket scientist to the entrepreneur world and now to becoming a real estate investor? What was the jump? What was the thing that kind of uh, inspired you to be in the rocket science world and then from there jumping to the next uh, field? So yeah, so I didn't always plan on, on going into aerospace. Uh, that part of it just kind of fell in my lap. Uh, but I was really fortunate to be able to do that. Uh, working for for Boeing and Rocket Iron on, on the space shuttle main engines was an incredible experience. But I will say it was a very abrupt jump uh, because, you know, I went from being on like an executive management track at Boeing, doing incredible things. I got two master's degrees while working full time. And then, uh, but I couldn't say no to my brother. He really wanted uh, my help on on the business. And actually there's one point where I was getting my MBA at UCLA and both my brothers were at UCLA playing football. So for one year, all three of us were at UCLA at the same time. And my brother had started the business and I, I kind of used it as, as my pet project in my MBA because I was focusing on entrepreneurial studies. So, and I told him, I said, look, you said, grow the business to a certain size and then I'll I'll leave Boeing and I'll come work work with you. 
And so he did that. And it was like, I think his second year, he, he, he grew it to that size. And now here's the interesting part. So I, I stuck to my word. I left Boeing, went to go work with him for on a really small Christmas lighting business. I had to take a 50% pay cut to go work with him. And him as the original owner, not only did he give me half the business, but he also paid me more than he was paying himself. So we really had a meet in the middle. But at the end of the day, like that was like my entrepreneurial roots. I, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. And I really wanted to bet on myself, bet on my brother. And I did that. And, and we grew that to be a really successful business, which which he still runs today. Okay. So that's that's really interesting in the way that you kind of unpacked that. And I want to highlight certain things. So first and foremost, it was clear that in parentheses, you've always been an entrepreneur. Now, why am I putting that in parentheses? Because you did start in an organization. So we would qualify that as entrepreneur, which is exactly having the same mindset as an entrepreneur, seeing opportunities, seeing difficulties, exactly the same way, hiring, firing, exactly the same way. You're just using the leverage or the organization that you're working within. Now, when you started, you had told your brother or at a certain point that, hey, I'm going to leave this uh, uh, company, even though it's a safe, secure job. And once again, air quotes here to go into entrepreneurship. How was that transition for you in regards to the fear? Because there's a lot of people that want to dabble in entrepreneurship or dare I say, even start entrepreneurship, but they have a safe, secure job, such as you, even maybe in an executive level, such as you were, how were you dealing with that fear or there was no fear? How did you deal with that? Because a lot of people repress that, calling it out of practicality, being like, hey, I have bills to pay. I can't, just, I can't do this move right now. Yeah, so that there's a lot there for sure. And and just to to clarify, I had actually started three different companies before working for Boeing. Mm. So when I say I'm an entrepreneur, like I really have been an entrepreneur my whole life, um, even prior to my first career job in in Boeing. But it it's it takes a, a big leap, right? And and for me as being an, an engineer, I tend to be very analytical. Uh, I tend to be a bit risk averse. Certainly, like I like to mitigate risk, but I think for your listeners, there's probably a lot of people that are kind of in this in this position, like right. They probably have a, a really good job. They've been doing it for a while. They're good at it, but they've got this kind of entrepreneurial itch, and they've wanted to do something else. And maybe that something else is more of a passion for them than their W two job might be. And and for me, like, and I think for a lot of people. Like you'll wind up doing both at the same time for a while, right? Like you're still doing your W-2 job. You've probably gotten better at it. So you're more efficient at it. And 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 you're working, let's say, 40 hours a week for that job. But then you start doing 10 or 20 hours a week on the side, on your, on your side hustle, and really trying to test the waters before you take that leap of faith. And, and in the end, I think it's really betting on yourself, right? That's what entrepreneurs do. They bet on themselves. They believe in themselves. And um, and you can you can build up a little bit of a nest egg, have some money set aside to help cover you for a while, start slowly in the new business, test the waters and and really like bring, um, you know, do some product testing or service testing, whatever it might be to test your theory that you can actually make a business out of it before you, you take that leap of faith. Okay, so that definitely does clarify the fact that you had some background before going into the business made it potentially more comfortable because you've tasted what entrepreneurship is. You knew what the ups and downs were. You knew what it took to, to dabble into that. Now, my next question is, how did you transition into real estate? Like going from, once again, uh, the industries that you were in, the business that you had with your brother, which wasn't necessarily correlated. And then you said, 
you went back to real estate. Why did you decide to finally go into real estate as an investor, as the business that you're currently in? Yeah, so I started out in uh, in construction early on, like through high school. I, I was a, a contractor, you know, working on construction sites. And then I actually worked for a construction management firm for two years uh, during college and working on large construction sites. Eventually got my general contractor's license. And and then I also got my professional engineer's license in, in civil engineering. So so and so I had kind of that background working at Boeing. And then once I started the 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 lighting business with my brother, it was very busy, like six months of the year. And the other six months of the year was was very, very quiet. And in that quiet time is when I was doing structural engineering design for custom homes and small buildings. So I was on job sites, I was doing engineering design work, uh, working with the Department of Building and Safety and very much in the construction engineering world. And then eventually the built the business grew and grew and grew and I had to put that aside and just work on the business year round. And uh, and then so that was kind of my, my break from real estate, if you will. And along that journey, I had met a lot of very successful people that were either in real estate or they had a portion of their portfolio in real estate. And they always talked about how great the investment side of real estate was, primarily for two reasons. One, the, the tax advantages you have and also the, the leverage that you have by, by borrowing money, getting, you know, securing debt on a property. But then all the upside goes to the investor, right? The bank just wants their debt service payments and all the upside goes to the investor. And over time, you know, these people became very wealthy, right? And, and you probably may, may have heard the saying, it's the best get rich slowly scheme out there, right? Like you don't make it overnight. Uh, but in the long term, we all know people that have been very successful in real estate. And so for me, I always wanted to get back into real estate. And when I knew that I was going to be selling my half of the business to my brother, I took probably about six months to a year to really think about what I wanted to do. I knew it was going to be in real estate. And then eventually I settled it in on doing syndications in the, in the multifamily space. And syndication is basically a, a fancy word for the person that kind of puts the whole deal together, finds the brokers, finds the deal, gets the debt on the property, gets the investors, manages the contractors, and then eventually stabilizes the property, hires property managers, and then sells the property. And all the investors and the syndicators, they share in the profits along the way. Great way of explaining syndication because there are definitely some uh, some listeners and viewers that really want to unpack that. So I love the fact that you mentioned that and you mentioned that you pretty much buy a property, flip it, fix it, and sell it. Do you do any holdings in regards to syndication? Do you have any properties that you guys hold long-term? Uh, within sure. the portfolio as well, yeah. So, so most of them actually are are held five ish years. You know, it could be like four to six years typically. Uh, I do have some properties in my portfolio that I'm planning on holding indefinitely. You know, I might sell them at some point, but certainly it'll be longer than five years. So, it it kind of depends on the business plan for for what what we're doing on each each individual property. It it does vary a bit, but in general. I'm not a fix and flip type of guy. Uh, it's more like like buy, fix, stabilize, and hold for cash for passive income, the cash flow, and then eventually sell it and re-leverage into a larger property, creating larger streams of passive income. I love that, Chad. And 
one thing I want to kind of shift our conversation towards before coming on to uh, the recording here, you were mentioning uh, my background in peak performance as a speaker and a coach. And you're like, hey, I'm really much in line with that, that personal development growth aspect and how you invest in your uh, knowledge and growth on that end. So much so that I, there's actually an Easter egg within your title of your company. Do you mind unpacking that a bit more and seeing and telling us what is the value that you have seen in going into your personal development in regards to an entrepreneur and even in the corporate world, has that helped you go to that next level, acquiring these soft skills and beyond? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a really good point. I was excited about coming onto the show because of the things that you focus on and, and you know, you've, you've done a great job in, in educating people and bringing them up and kind of helping to shift their mindset. And, and for me, like, like CSQ stands for challenge to status quo. And I've always continually tried to, to push myself to always be better, learn more, uh, try to improve things. That's a big part of who I am. And so that's what I named the business after. And, uh, and I think that can be a really advantageous mindset, regardless of where you are in life. So for me, I, I've, I've got three master's degrees, you know, like formal education. I'm kind of set in that regard. But but it's, it's it's not enough. And like even like today in today's world, I still like to continually improve and learn things. And, and it's almost like one of those things, like the more you learn, the less, you know, you know, like like when you're young, you think like, oh, my gosh, I know I know it all. I'm so smart and all this stuff. But the more you learn, you're like, wow, I really have so much to learn. And uh, and, and that's one of the things I really like that, that you bring to others is that mindset shift on on really trying to improve yourself, whether it's in the business life or personal life. I, I try to do the same thing. And uh, and I'll also share, I'm a little late to the game. I wish I would have saw your stuff earlier. I'm a little late to the game on the, the mentorship side. Mm -hmm. And I saw that you have like several mentors and coaches that help you out. And like, and like, here's Chris, you know, this guy that you think has a big following and he's doing these amazing things. He's got these programs set up. He's a, you know, a famous speaker, but, but you shared with us that you have your own coaches that help you get there. Yeah. And, and no matter what level you're at, you can always level up and, and get those coaches. And, and for me, it took a long time to get there. Um, and I've actually hired my first mentor just two years ago. And it's like, like, wow, why didn't I think of this so long ago? I, it could have helped me so much more, but better late than never. But so I'm, I'm on board now. Okay, Chad, there's a lot of things to unpack in what you just said. I'm going to do the best to highlight it. First of all, thank you very much for the kind words. I truly appreciate it. I was laughing so hard, like a big smile uh, on my face from ear to ear for the listeners here that are not seeing the, the video recording of this. When you mentioned every single time I learn something new, I realize how much I have to learn. And that's one of my favorite quotes, just over my left shoulder, Socrates mentions, the only true wisdom is knowing you know nothing. Because every single mm -hmm. time you learn something new, you realize, oh my God, there's so much more to learn. And it's this ideology yeah. of we will always be students of life. And if you understand that, you go from having, like you said, you have so many degrees, you're like a very, very, very well-versed individual in regards to the education uh, side of things, but that's going to give you a career. If you want to become wealthy in not only financial, but in every single area of your life, that only happens through personal development. And I'm glad that you highlighted that as well as the aspect of uh, the having your mentors and coaches. And thank you once again for highlighting that on my end. I truly believe in that. I am a top tier yeah. speaker and coach, but I have eight coaches and mentors in different areas of my life because the reality is if we can learn from other people, 
we're going to get there so much faster. Like imagine you don't have any like understanding of real estate, but you want to go into it because just like Chad said, there is a great way to make wealth within that. Wouldn't it be so much more valuable for you to sit down next to Chad, have Chad there, take you to step-by-step -step process through everything he's learned for like, say the first couple of months of you doing the work instead of you trying to figure it out on your own? The answer is yeah. yes, right? Huge it's huge difference because he's going to tell you everything he's learned and he's going to make it that you don't fall on the same pitfalls and uh, potholes that uh, potentially he's felt and, and everybody else. So Chad, once again, it is so obvious that you are beyond as successful and you have a very cerebral approach to certain things, you know, being educated and all that. What are some of the daily habits that you utilize at a high level that make you perform at a peak performance? Yeah, so so that for me is is I like to work out and I like to do kind of extreme adventure type of workout. So I'm an Ironman triathlete, ultra marathoner, and and for me, I love just getting out uh, either on the trail or on the bike or runs or whatever it might be. And uh, these extreme endurance athletic events uh, really help clear my head because especially like as entrepreneurs, like you you literally. You're on all the time. You're hit from a, a million different angles. You're juggling, you know, a dozen different balls at any time, and uh, and it's just nonstop, right? It's not like a an eight to five type of job. It's it's all day, every day. So for me, when I can get out and get away and turn the phone off, and uh, sometimes I listen to a podcast, sometimes I listen to music, sometimes I just listen to nothing and just think, and and I can get away for a couple hours on a workout. And and just really helps me decompress. And and it might be counterintuitive to some people thinking like such a hard workout is a decompression. But when your mind is just going and going and going, it's it's exhausting, right? So in order for me, like like when I physically exhaust myself, it helps me to turn my brain off, and then I can kind of digest some things a little bit easier. I get some clarity in my mind when I work out, and that, that's one of the I wouldn't say daily habit, but at least three times a week, I try to set aside time for, for these longer workouts and just, just get some good head clearing in there. I love what you just mentioned for anybody that's like an endurance athlete, like you said, a triathlon marathoner and beyond. I, I'm, I truly love like long distance stuff. Now I'm more into CrossFit. So I do it a bit far few in between, but the runner's high that you get and yes. that runner's high happens, like you said, because you're doing a repetitive motion and your mind is kind of going free but it is extremely valuable for you as an entrepreneur. As you mentioned, it gives you some time to think. It gives you some time to, to unwind. But mostly, when your conscious mind is at break, your subconscious mind is allowed to find solutions to the problems you've been working on. And to do so, sometimes you have to take a step back from the actual work. And these are concepts yeah. that were tried and true, like Albert Einstein used to do this all the time when he was working on his mathematical formulas and he was having a hard time. He used to literally get up in the middle of the day while all the other researchers were like, yo, what is he doing? He leaves and he takes his little violin and he used to start playing violin. And then through playing the violin, he used to be like, oh, there is the, the solution to the problem. So having these moments of working out music or just stepping, taking a step back from work is extremely valuable on that end. Uh, Chad, I mean, there, there's so much that we're going to talk about here. I'm truly enjoying this conversation. My next question to you is, I believe truly that we learn the best from our mistakes, right? But it's not only from our mistakes that we can learn. We can learn from other people's mistakes because obviously victory is great. Success is great. But when you actually 
are meeting the wall, have a difficulty, that's when you kind of go into introspection and looking at what did I do wrong or what could I have done better to optimize this? But as mentioned, we can learn from other people's mistakes as well. So my question to you is, what is something within your business organization right now that is not going as good as you want, maybe in air quotes here, you're failing at, and you want to optimize. And what are you going to do to change that? So what is something that's in your business right now that's not going as good as you want? And how are you going to go about approaching it to fix that? Yeah, great question. And yeah, sure enough, I have plenty of issues like that. I do like to take a little bit of a mindset shift. And, and I think of it as either if I'm doing something, I'm either going to succeed, succeed, or I'm going to learn something. Mm -hmm. I don't make mistakes. Either learn something or succeed. So I, I've been learning a lot. I've learned a lot. So, <laughs> you know, in other words, air quotes, mistakes. Um, so so I, I share just a recent one with you right now. Um, and it, it's in real estate world. You know, we've seen last year with these interest rates increasing really high uh, at a faster rate than than ever before in history. And that's challenging for, uh, for some properties, depending on the debt you've got set up for it. So... On, on one of my large properties uh, in Florida, we've we've had uh, some cash flow issues because the debt's gone up a lot. And going back to that whole engineer risk aversion type approach I have, like like we we bought uh, an interest rate cap on it, so like we we can't go us above a certain amount. So we are capped, but but it it did create some pain getting up to that amount. So if we didn't have an interest rate cap we would have had to have sold the property by now as a distressed property, which is never good to do. But because we had the interest rate cap, we're able to keep the property and, uh, but it does create pain and, and, and some lessons learned there. And, and one of the lessons learned was we, we fell a little bit behind the eight ball on, uh, on our property management company there. Mm -hmm. And we learned that their their marketing for getting new leases was not up to par, and and that put us in a bit of a hole. We had a bunch of units that we were remodeling coming online, and we didn't have people to 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 lease them yet. And this isn't a really strong market. It's not because the market's not good. It's not because people aren't looking for places. It's just because we had so many units come on so quickly that it just takes time to absorb that. And meanwhile, you just have a vacant sitting unit. It's like burning a hole in your pocket. And, and we had like 40 units vacant, right? So it's it's a lot of units. And they weren't leasing as quickly as we had hoped because the marketing was really far behind. So what we learned is we had to step in pretty quick really to manage that marketing side of the business, which was not what we were going to be doing is what we were paying the property manager to do. We had to take it over. And, and now we're replacing the property manager, which is a whole different fiasco. And, and when you're doing that on, on a large property, uh, this one is a, a 200 unit uh, property, $53 million a deal, that, that is a big deal. And, and that's been a, a bit painful. It takes a lot of work and uh, it's hurt us on the cash flow in the near term. So definitely a lot, a lot of lessons learned there. And that's something like I'm going through right now. So, you know, I talk about, you know, me being you know, with my background and things I've done, you say, okay, wow, Chad's done amazing things. It's like, I, I still deal with these learning experiences on a daily basis. But but here's the, where mindset comes into play. Like, okay, I've got problems to deal with. Everyone's got problems to deal with. But you look at it as an opportunity to learn, an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to solve problems. 
And then your your perspective on that totally shifts. You're like, okay, well, this is an opportunity to learn. This is something I didn't know before. And you're a lot more optimistic about it. And when you're optimistic about it, it's not going to bring you down. You're not going to get upset about it. You're just going to hunker down and do what you need to do. And in the end, the, the project or the deal is going to be a lot better than it would have otherwise. Okay. Once again, amazing explanation, Chad. And I'm going to highlight a couple of things here. So the fact that, first of all, the number one thing I came about with that story is be aware of the market because the market moves, especially if you're in real estate or any market, there's ups, down, left, right, and center. So you have to move accordingly. So once you're seeing, hey, okay, the interest rates are going up, we're at a very interesting time within society right now that they're going up at a very high rate with the Fed and everything else in that regards. So what does that entail our uh, uh, with our property, right? And then the fact that you guys had a cap on one of the interest rates for the property saved you guys out. But then you realize there's an issue, right? now. The mindset part that you just mentioned in regards to being aware of this is a learning opportunity completely changes the approach, the energy that is linked up with that situation. Instead of you being just completely mad, now it's granted. When the first time that happens, I'm sure you're going to be mad, which is okay. You're going to be frustrated, which is okay. But if that's the energy and fear that gets you nonstop, it's only going to get worse and worse. I believe the two most valuable things in life are two things, our time and energy. It's not money. It's not anything else. It really is. And I would maybe even add health within that, but these are the two things. And the strongest one between that is energy, which kind of is in correlated with health. Now, why? I give you all the time in the world, but if you don't have the proper energy, if you're sick in bed and this, that, and the other, you're not going to do anything. So by you having that mindset, what it's doing is it's shifting the energy from negative to I am learning. So this experience that you're having, you're going to have it at such a high level that you're actually going to come up on top for the next one and in that current deal. So those are two things I really wanted to highlight and kind of congratulate you, Chad, that you had that mindset shift instantly. Uh, my last question before I kind of let you go over here, I want to be respectful of your time. What are you the most excited about right now in your business life, personal life with the market? What is something that's really exciting you in this current moment? Yeah, I think for me is is creating passive income, right? I'm living and breathing and and seeing it. And, and it doesn't necessarily have to only be as a, a syndicator or operator, like even as a limited partner, because I'm an LP, a limited partner in other people's investments, right? And, and to see that the passive income stream just grow slowly over time is, is really cool because like, like it's one of those things like, like when you're a kid, if you like watch somebody ride a bike and you, you, someone told you how to ride a bike, it's like, okay, you can watch videos. You can listen to people as much as you want, but until you finally ride the bike, you don't know what it's like to ride the bike. Mm -hmm. and, and for me, that was like real estate. Like I always knew how people were making money in real estate. I heard about it, but when I filed my first tax return as, as doing as a, a real estate guy full time, and I got like a 50% refund on my taxes, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then, you know, when I took out these big loans from the banks and, and then made money on the deals and the bank didn't get any extra money, they just got their debt service payment and that was it. But I made all the upside. I'm like, wow, here's leverage. This is amazing. And then while all that's going on, this, this passive income stream is just increasing slowly over time. To me, that's what I get really excited about because I know the work that I put in today is going to continue to pay off for forever. And that is, is a lot of motivation. I love it. The compound interesting, right? You're not just working for now, you're working for the future. And most anything, yep. you're not even working for now. Whatever you're working on, you're probably going to get returns in 6, 12, 18, 24 months or whatever the case is. 
Chad, yeah. I truly love this conversation. Really was fun. Uh, as our audience is listening and they're like, wow, Chad is really cool. I, I love this. And they want to potentially connect with you to find out more about your business. Maybe even uh, think about if they have an extra couple of dollars, want to invest in any of your syndications, where's the best place they could get in touch with you? Yeah, so I think the best bet is uh, our website is csqproperties.com, like challenge the status quo.com. I have a uh, an ebook on there on why entrepreneurs should invest in apartment buildings. And then basically on all social media channels is just at CSQ Properties, whether Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, you can find us there. Beautiful. Everything you mentioned will be in the show notes below. Once again, Chad, it was such a pleasure having you on the show and good luck with all of the rest of the work that you're going to do. Cool. Yeah. Keep up the good job on your stuff too. I like watching it, Chris. Thanks. Christopher Devian here. Thank you so much for listening to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. If you're a successful entrepreneur or entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot of your phone, text it to a friend, or post it on the socials. If you know somebody that could be a great guest, please tag them on social media to let them know about this program. And don't forget to include the hashtag Peak Performance Greatness. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We regularly put out new episodes and content. To make sure that you don't miss any episode, go ahead and click that subscribe button. Your thumbs up, rating, and review go a long way to help us promote this show, and it would mean a lot to me as well as my team. You want to know more? Go ahead and visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or my YouTube channel at Christopher Didia. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Have a blessed and grateful day.